Good afternoon, everybody, and um, welcome to the first webinar of the year for the Fashion Network. Um, we have a, quite a good steam panel for you today and a really good topic. Um, just to give you a little bit of information, um, uh, my name is Dale and my colleague Scarlett, we're looking behind the scenes here. You can't see us today, but we're in the background. Um, this is going to be a 60 minute webinar um, hosted by Becky Turnbull of Pretty Little Thing. Thank you, Becky. Um, we are going to just have a few little uh, kind of house things for those that you aren't familiar with Zoom. I think most people are. Um, you have a chat facility at the bottom of your screen. Um, if you have any questions, all you need to do is type them in there and we will endeavour to, to sort of address your questions. We won't be able to answer everybody's questions, unfortunately, because uh, we never have the time, but we'll do our best to answer as many questions or comments as you have. If you're, if you're particularly brave, you can, uh, there's a little feature on Zoom, you can raise your hand and we get a little blue icon and we can actually turn you live. You can actually ask our panel questions face to face if you're particularly brave. Not many people do that, Becky, but occasionally we do get one. Um, and so, yeah, so any questions or comments, please let us know uh, throughout the talk, but we will go to the floor towards the end um, as well. But if you do have any particular questions or comments, just pop them in the chat box and we'll, and Becky will do her best to, to, to answer them for you. Just to give you an idea of the discussion points that we're gonna go through uh, with you today. So this is what we're hoping to cover. So if, again, just make a mental note of this and if you do wanna ask any of these questions, just wait because Becky will go through most of these. Um, so that's all from me. Um, we will be closing the webinar around about uh, three o'clock. Uh, and we will have the contact details for both the Fashion Network and uh, our uh, panellists. So if you want to get in touch with anyone, then then's your time. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Becky Turnbull from Pretty Little Thing, who's in turn going to introduce the rest of the panel. So over to you, Becky. Hi, I'm Becky. I'm a Senior Social Media Manager for Pretty Little Thing, global fashion brand. I'm responsible for the team that um, manage the social channels and content creation and social growth across all our different social media channels. Amy, do you want to go next? Sure. Hello, I'm Amy. I'm the head of partnerships at Glean Futures, where we manage digital first talent. Um, I'm responsible for overseeing all brand partnerships across the roster and um, working directly with both talent and brands to create really meaningful partnerships. Frankie. Hi guys, so I'm Francesca Dakin. I'm Influencer Partnerships Manager at AWIN Global. So any of our amazing brands that want to do influencer campaigns that wouldn't necessarily do it in-house or just looking for a bit of a fresh perspective, um, my team creates those um, and manages them from start to finish. And yeah, just a really great campaign service. Bianca? Hi, my name is Bianca. I work for Retail21. It's a technology that connects brands and uh, influencers and retailers for online resale. And uh, we also have a partnership with the Fashion Network for a marketplace called Fashion Match. Okay, great. Nice to meet everybody. Um, so I want to start off with, with the main question for the, to start off with. Um, where does an influencer's value lie? Um, specifically to Amy, why are brands looking to engage with influencers now more than ever? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to um, 
the relationship that the influencer has with their audience and um, the connection that they have with their audience and um, the loyalty that that um, audience feels to the talent and the trust that they have in their recommendations, their insights, their opinions. Um, there is huge value in that. Um, but I think especially at the moment, the relatability of a lot of influencers, not all, but a lot of, um, is really powerful right now because we need to see and interact with real people. Um, we don't necessarily want the um, aspirational images all the time. We want to just see how it is and see ourselves reflected back. And so working with the likes of influencers and digital first talent, you can really get that rather than kind of super, super polished celebrity. Yeah, definitely. Frankie, how do you think that's changed over the last like year with, uh, with COVID and everyone working from home and us not being able to work with and brands like ourselves not being able to work on huge, big outdoor campaigns and shoots? Well, now we're just like working with influencers on a more um, case by case basis now than we've ever done before. How do you think that's changed? It's changed hugely. So, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, it used to be kind of outdoors shooting huge advertising campaigns, loads of people on set, um, models, etc. And now it's just kind of, you know, from when the pandemic hit, brands have really had to pivot. I mean, content's come from being outside a lot of the time to in someone's home. Um, you know, the different kind of contents come through. So lots of people are more focusing on kind of self-care, a lot more relatable, like Amy said. Um, and also that's kind of had to, it's kind of reflected in the value of influencers because, you know, people would have had to be paying for those big shoots before, but now they, they see the value of influencers creating that content for them and they're going to have to pay for that. I think a lot of brands are kind of figuring that out now and especially with more people than ever being on social media. Um, it's really important that brands jump onto that. I agree. Yeah. I think from a brand's perspective, social and, and working in social myself, I think the value of social media as, as a whole has become way more valuable this year, uh, more than ever. And also, like you say, that the way we've worked with influencers completely changed. The content that we were looking to work with, um, get, getting from influencers and working, collaborating them on what products we work on has completely changed as well. For instance, with PLT, we've done a lot more lives. We've worked a lot more on our podcasts. We've worked a lot more on our like IGTVs rather than our campaign um, videos that we're like so famous for. But now it's, it's really Instagram for first, TikTok first content. And, and it's really consumable content that like you say, both of you, everything's relatable now and we're wanting to become more relatable. So are the followers of all, the, all these influencers can really escape sometimes as well with COVID as well. And um, they wanting to look to, to escape with the influencers that they follow, but also relate to them and, and know what they're going, they're in the same situation as us. So I think it's, they've become way more useful as a tool over the last year. So for sure next question um, <laughs> good um as companies that work with influencers what criteria do you look for when you're shortlisting influencers it's interesting for me to hear from a brand um how you shortlist influencers because obviously we all work with you guys to be like pick x amount of influencers for us to work on this campaign but it's interesting for me to hear from your side amy and francesca how do you pick these influencers for the brands amy do you want to go first 
Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of it comes down to, um, we like to talk a lot about common ground and whether the talent has common ground with the brand. That might be in that it could be a fashion brand and the talent has a similar style to the fashion brand or that kind of style works really well. Or it could be um, that they share values. So if it's a really kind of values driven brand um, that's about female empowerment then if that talent also embodies female empowerment then it's a good match so we look at those kind of values first and foremost but also ultimately it comes down to what's the brand's objective what do they want to achieve here in partnering with talent and that is the first question that we ask if it's sales and clicks then we look at talent who have really strong conversion if it's awareness um, then we look at talent with much bigger reach um, if it's about profile and showing that kind of brand alignment with talent who, again, adopt similar values, then that is kind of the priority. So it's really dependent on the brand's objectives. Cool. Francesco, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, so completely agree with Amy. I think we're very similarly aligned there. Um, I think the most important thing that we look for is just a fit with the customer demographic of the um advertise we're working with so we'll make sure that the kind of the followers of the influencer really fit with that demographic um just so you know the, the influencers followers actually really enjoy the content and will get really great engagement um i mean just kind of i really like a really great looking feed um when someone especially is kind of lots of influence marketing is more of an awareness piece just having someone that creates really beautiful nice content um, and also quite original content, someone who's got their own angle. I love to work with people like that because it really lends themselves to work well with the brand and it just gives something a little bit different. And usually the brands will end up, you know, having a really strong relationship with that person if they see that the content um, produced is a bit different to just your bog standard. Um, and also making sure that someone is really consistent. Um, I think it is really key for being successful as an influencer. Um, and also just someone who engages with their followers really well. Um, I love to see someone who's kind of replying to things in the comments, um, always has something to say. It just really works well with brand when they actually go to do those paid posts. I think I agree with you from a brand perspective. I think it's great to see that conversation between influencer and their followers and also with the brand itself that they're working with. I think that whole holistic approach is really, really good. And it means it looks very organic. It, it comes across very organic and it, and it means it's very, like you say, um, followers will then trust the process a lot more. And it just it comes across a much more seamless process, which is really good. You touched on there that you, you like to see like a consistent feed and better content on the on the feed as well. But what other stuff attracts you to um, follow uh, to followers to influencers? Is it the to work with? Is it the engagement or the followers that you look at specifically, or a mix of both? Um, I'd actually say engagement usually wins for me over followers. Um, when we're casting for a brand campaign. Um, we usually have a target reach that we're looking for, but I really like to mix up like different um, follow accounts of influencers just because you get like completely different things from everyone. And it's quite nice to kind of work with smaller influencers. They've got really engaged audiences um, and you get really great feedback. And often the time, as, look, as Amy mentioned, their followers are really trusting and, you know, that often leads to conversions. We see some great conversion rates from micro influencers um, in the affiliate channel. Um, yeah. So yeah, engagement 
followers for me, I'd say. I'm on the engagement side as well. I think it followers is, is I think more so now than ever, but it's so easy to gain followers in other ways, but engagement, you can't really hide, you can't really fake, I guess. Um, and the comments are well, if you've got really good comments and engage followers and, and comments that are really um, supportive of the influencer, I think that's really a, a good showing um, characteristic of that influencer as well. Um, Amy, have you got anything to add to that? Um, no, I completely agree. We see huge value in engagement and actually that's such a good indicator of how good the talent's content is, um, if the engagement is particularly high and how strong the relationship is. So um, yeah, it's the, the key metric, I would say. Cool. Bianca, have you got anything to add to that as well? No, same thing for us. Like engagement is really the first thing that uh, we look at. It's very important, especially because we work in partnerships. So it's very important to uh, to have access and be able to discuss easily with the influencer, right? And I think it's quite obvious. We're on the engagement side here, guys. <laughs> Followers is good, but I think engagement, like you said, is really like the authentic side of influencing. If you if a, a new influencer, any new influencers are watching right now, guys, what would you say would be a great um, characteristic or something for them to do to grab your guys' attention? To them? Mike, Bianca? Uh, for us, for, of course, there's something very important. We need to feel that the influencer wants to develop the business because that's that's really it for us as well, right? So this is one of the important things and uh, to work as a team player. So that's the main thing. For sure. Amy, have you got any tips for any new budding influencers that want to break the internet? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's a really hard one because um, you can never judge who's going to blow up next. Um, but all I would say is try not to do what everyone else is doing. There is, There are so many great talent and content creators out there. A huge proportion, particularly in the fashion and beauty space, do look quite similar. So try to find something that is very specific and unique to you, whether that's a particular aesthetic or style or format to your content. Um, try to do something that is different and stands out um, as super creative because that's what will grab people's attention. Um, but it is really hard because of the amount of talent out there. You guys get a lot of influencers or anyone anyone trying to break like break into the influence industry reaching out to you guys asking for tips and tricks. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Do you know my biggest tip um, would be use the new features of platforms, and I cannot drive that home enough because all the platforms when they release a new feature want to prioritize that and make a big deal out of it and make sure it's successful so naturally their algorithms are going to cater towards that new feature so if you're using that new feature and using it creatively and using it well and engaging with your audience in using that new feature you're more likely to be pushed up the algorithm yeah. it's so simple so just use the new stuff that's a little brand secret, guys, as well, not just for influencers, brands do that as well, specifically PLT. We do work on, we're very active brand. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of my people is that we're first to, to market in terms of loads of the new activations that come about Instagram and, and all the different platforms. TikTok, we were the biggest, we are one of the biggest ones in the fashion retail business. Um, and also specifically like Instagram, when they brought on lives, we did really well there. And then I think IGTVs, we did, I think 3 million views in the first when Reels um, first came out in the first week. So 
I can't stress enough again, I, I, I completely support your, your statement there in the fact that you need to jump on anything new that comes about in the platforms. That's probably the best trick to, to, do, to do for sure. Frankie, uh, Francesca, anything that you would add to like to what we've said there? Um, no, not really. Just to kind of echo what Amy said, really, um, just make sure that your personality shines through. I think, uh, yeah, as you say, a lot of um, there's a lot of really similar kind of de not demographics, what's it called, aesthetic going on at the moment. So if you can stand out in whether it's like a different style of image that you're taking, or even just captions and fun stories, like. I love an influencer who's got like a really interesting story feed. Even if there's like a million little dots across the top of the screen, like ants, I will watch them all. Some of them that I love, Mel's wardrobe, hers, I can just watch. I know she's done stories, I'm gonna watch them because her personality shines through. So yeah, that's what I would say. Just make sure it does shine through. You kind of like jumped onto my next question there. I was gonna ask you everyone, um, what's their, who's their favorite person to watch or like in, in terms of engaging content? Mel, for me, I agree with you, Francesca. It, she's really great. She's come across like so well this year. She's actually, she's, I would say one of the influencers that's definitely blown up. She's done campaigns of Red. She's done campaigns of, of um, motor, motor companies as well. She's done really, really well this year. But I think it's because her followers are so engaged so influenced by what she says. I mean, if you've seen the, the Zara fragrances sold out straight away because she was writing about them. There's yeah. loads of have gone absolutely off the shelves because she's just posted something on a story. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, she's one of my favorites. Amy, is there anyone that's one of your favorites similar to Mel? Yeah, oh, do you know, it's so hard to pick one, but someone who I love at the moment is Molly Campsey. She's not with Gleam. <laughs> I will say that right now. She's just someone that I, yeah, she's just someone that I really love because she's got a great feed, but then her stories are absolutely hilarious, particularly when she's dating and she has her own things where like when she's doing her dating update, she has her earphones in. And if she's not got her earphones in, then she can't do her dating updates. But it's stuff like that where and also she calls them updates with a Z. Um, and it's stuff like that where you have as an influence or talent. You have like almost a language with your audience or a specific um, a thing that you know that particular person does and it becomes an in-joke and a bit of a community. And so that's what I love about her because her stories are kind of real and raw. On a completely different end of the spectrum, um, one of our talent um, is Dr. Julie and she is a therapist. And she started out on TikTok creating mental health content. But I just love it because it's so, so different from anything else. Um, but what is particularly interesting is you can have something like that where you've got an expertise or a niche to talk about um, and you go viral off the back of that. But you can still do fashion, beauty, lifestyle content within that as well. So um, if you have got an expertise or a niche, like bring that out because that's part of who you are as a person and people want to see that. Definitely. I mean, look at Mrs. Hinch. Who would you thought that cleaning would go absolutely as mental as what she's gone now this year? Um, and that's that's her niche, I guess. But then she's still been able yeah. to do, um, like obviously the books, the fashion, and, and loads of things within her content. It's crazy, but I think yeah, we've all touched on some really good ones there. Bianca, is there anyone that you think that comes to mind when we're saying like a community driver in terms of an influencer? 
I'm based in North America, and uh, what we are looking for is really the shopping business, the retail business. So, of course, the Kardashian family for us is just a, an amazing example, just because they know how to launch a brand, promote it on all the social media, and also develop business with their brand. So. This is exactly uh, the type of, uh, <laughs> of story that I love. Great for me to hear, considering PLT have worked with many of the Kardashians and we've successfully run some campaigns. I've been part of many of the, I did the Courtney campaign and, and many other of the campaigns that we did with them. And I agree, they, they do well, they do really, really well with us. And as long as you're the content, like you say, people are so engaged with that that family, um, it's something exactly. that... Definitely. I think it's definitely at the top of a lot of people's list in terms of influencers to work with um, there. But yeah, all great answers. I think we've touched on a lot of different characteristics there that would be really, really useful to influencers that are watching right now. Um, next thing is, what are the current business models that you're looking at in terms of influencers? Amy, do you want to answer that one for us? Yes. Um, so there are lots of different um, ways to kind of develop a business as an influencer or talent. Um, the first is obviously in brand partnerships, but I would say um, the world is getting savvier with talent brand partnerships right now. So yes, there is social content, but obviously linked to that is affiliate marketing, um, licensing. So um, for example, PLT by X talent, um, usage of the content or the talent's face. So whether that's on out of home billboards or on radio, whatever it might be. Um, and then also expanding into other areas. So brand partnerships will be the bread and butter of your revenue but, um, and will drive a huge proportion of that. But then there is opportunity to get into publishing, into broadcast, into live events, into um, press. The kind of options are really endless, but if you've got what it takes and you've got a specialism, you've got something important to say, which is probably the key here, um, then that business model is really vast. What I would say is really key to that is having a long-term ambition and putting a strategy in place to get to that point. So what do you want to ultimately achieve? And make sure that every decision you make drives you towards that point. That's really good. Francesca, do you, would you add anything, was is there any other business models that you would like to add to Amy's answer there? Um. No, I think, you, Amy, you really covered everything there. I think, I mean, what's different about affiliates kind of is just that it's literally all online. So it wouldn't necessarily be print or anything like that. But as long as it's trackable online or through your phone, anything like that, that's where the affiliate business model comes in. Um, but I mean, I guess you'd just be surprised at how much we can do through affiliates because it's not just, you know, commission for posts. It's also we do paid brand campaigns as well. So we're really kind of open to pivoting to whatever our clients want. And also, you know, if influencers have ideas of what they want to do with our clients, then we're always open to kind of bring those forth to them. You touched on paid posts there. That goes quite nicely onto the next question there. So um, as a rule, guys, specifically to Francesca, um, how do you decide to work with an influencer um, before, like, what changes them to go from a like affiliate post I paid posts. What 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 give what makes you change in, in terms of picking those influencers for just affiliate posts or paid posts? How does that change? Um. Oh, sorry. I think. Oh, sorry. Did I just break up? Then really sorry. Um. So. 
basically what my main job is that I work on paid campaigns for um, advertisers, like people that um, brands that are on AWIN. So it's usually a combination of both of them, a kind of hybrid model. So we will pay influencers and we also negotiate a commission um, for them as well. Um, I think it's really important to kind of do both of them. However, I understand that, you know, paid posts aren't in every band's budget. But I think if you're going to be paying for kind of traditional advertising placements um, and shoots, it does bode well to kind of expect to pay for your content. Um, we, I, be, I mean, I personally have a lot of influencers who are really happy to work on just a commission basis. It tends to be the smaller ones. And I just say to those ones, if you are happy to do that, you know, you can negotiate a really um, a favourable commission rate with um, the advertisers you want to work with. And also you might even be able to get a discount code. So share with your followers. So it's just kind of how you leverage that. If you're, I mean, you can track all of the sales through AWIN. So if you can see that your sales are going really well for you know, a popular beauty brand, expand out to other beauty brands, reach out, see what you can do with them. I think there's just kind of lots of different streams you can have there. I suppose that's the beauty of working with AWIN because the influence has transparency of how what they're driving for that brand and can see the money put being driven to them and, and how and their value, I guess. So they then they can, like you say, negotiate further, whether it's to be a paid post if they're just going on a gifting or a commission basis. But well, I think that's it's it's a really good value um of, of AWIN specifically. Um what are your thoughts on gifting specific like do you think it's changed now that the times are changing where um, brands are going to majority of them majority of the stuff that we work with now um, the bigger projects we've obviously always paid uh, influencers but do you think it's more as as the industry goes it's it's less like less um, gifting basis um, of posting and, and commission and more pay per post yeah definitely I think I mean back in the day literally when I was at uni it was kind of like the rise of the blogger and at the time, I think bloggers were just happy to be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting free stuff. But um, now it's like kind of everyone, it's quite hard creating content. It's really time consuming. You've got to be really consistent. So, you know, a lot of time and effort goes into it as well as if, especially if you're making video content as well. So, I mean, I just don't think brands are able to get away with it as much anymore. I mean, great if they can but we're seeing more and more kind of um you know that instagram what's it called oh, influencer pay gap where brands are getting called out for just doing gifting and only having that on offer i think you know having some kind of budget there just really kind of sets brands up a bit more to work with influencers amy what do you think about that as well um so this is a really interesting topic actually because with our really trusted brand partners, um, sometimes we'll look at gifting to start with in order to see and test which talent work really well for that brand. Um, and then we use that to determine which talent they enter a long-term partnership with. Um, I think when you're doing um, brands that kind of like one-off smaller campaigns, it's less relevant, but when you're going to invest in talent for three, six months, 12 months, 12 months, then having that kind of gifting relationship to start with gives you a chance to see whether it works for the talent and whether it works for the brand, because for both parties, locking in for that length of time is quite a commitment. Yeah. Um, and... I was also going to say this is where um, actually we see such value in the affiliate partnerships because it allows 
us brand and talent to track what's working really well and using that data and that insight to be able to form a really meaningful discussion about what that partnership looks like and um, whether it's kind of going to drive value for everybody. So I think there is um, there is a place for gifting as long as it's not taking advantage of the talent. Exactly. I think that, and you've got that longer term view on what this opportunity is. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's something we do quite frequently in terms of tech, not specifically gifting as a whole, but like I think we do quite a lot of um, testing. So we'll work on a fleet based activation. And then if that does work well, like using the data and that. For me specifically, from a social perspective, I'm very data-driven as a manager. So getting that data and being real and realizing, yes, they're driving X amount of revenue or engagement for us, then 100% will then look to invest further or for a longer amount of contract time as well. So I think it's it's having that balance. I say, I would say, guys, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. It's all about it's all about balance. And yeah. one I would just call out as well is if you are in a gifting partnership with a brand just look at the ASA guidelines and make sure you're sticking to them and that you're noting when something has been gifted to you um that's incredibly important throughout all brand partnerships but I just think with gifting you have to be so careful because it's not always transparent it's definitely misunder uh, misunderstood sometimes and it can be quite not fatal a fatal sounds like too much of a strong word but it can be quite detrimental to influencers especially budding ones that don't have a legal team behind them or management that are going to be looking after them in those kind of ASA environment and in any times that they're going to potentially be caught up by um that that company so, so yeah it's, it's really yeah, so something really good to know there for any any new guys that are coming into the industry. Um, Francesca, so let's go on to affiliates more so as we've been touching on it there. How can an influencer become successful in affiliate marketing? So this can is quite a yeah, it's quite a broad. There's a load of ways that influencers can do this. I think the great thing about affiliate networks such as AWIN is that we have hundreds, thousands actually, of brands that um, influencers can connect with. So first of all, I think find the brands that you love to post about, um, the ones that you're buying from already that you love, um, and then connect with them via an affiliate network. Once you've done that, you can start posting and sharing their links and rating commissions. And never be like worried about reaching out to the team and just saying like, you know, can I get a little bit more commission or is there um, something I can be doing um, to kind of get more partnership work with you? Um, find out about gifting. If you don't ask, you don't get. Um, what is really great as well is if you kind of, if you've even got below 10K followers and you can't do swipe ups, um, you can add affiliate links. There's this brand, I think it's called, no, not, not brand. Um, it's called Linktree, so you can add that to your profile your, um, bio if you're a smaller influencer, and you can add links to that. If you've got a discount code that's specific to you, you can add it there. Um, one of the really great things about Awin is that we have like a voucher attribution tool. So if one of the brands has given you a code, um, say your name's Lucy, they've given you Lucy10, there's a, um, Awin can make sure that um, when that code is used, um, the sale is only ever tracked to your account. So that's another way we can track, even if you're thinking people aren't really clicking on the links in my bio, then we can see that, right, okay, this code's been used and that's passed back to us. Um, also, I mean, the affiliate channel is a performance channel. So 
at the end of the day, being able to track your sales is important. Um, so when you're reaching out to brands, if you're doing really well for a certain brand, it's always worth reaching out to another brand and being like, hey, I've driven X sales for this brand over the course of the past few months. I'd love to work with you. That works really well. Um, you can really grow that way. Um, yeah, just keep on linking the products you're endorsing. As I mentioned, Melissa, like all of those links she's linking, all of those things she's kind of asking people to buy, they are all linked. Um, and, you know, she's sold out huge ranges. So imagine if you're getting commission for all of those sales. So, yeah, just make sure you're linking everything. Yeah, I think that's some really good tips, there, especially about if you've not got enough followers to do the swipe ups. I think that, that limits people quite a lot. And I think it's normally something that everyone will be like, oh, I can't make any money because I've not got over 10K and I can't do swipe ups. But like you said there, the link tree um, method is really, really helpful. And it's like, that's great for them to make any uh, any revenue from the link in bio. That's really, really good. And again, they're just working around what works for you, I guess, in your platform. Amy, would you like to add anything to that from your side? Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And I would just say, just you, there's no harm in using affiliate links and so just use them because um, you never know what is going to drive sales. Also, what I would say is you can really use that to see what sort of content you should be creating. So if you know that your audience are really interested in trainers for example then post more about trainers because you've clearly got a strong connection there so um obviously use it for um generating revenue as much as possible um but also just use it to gain insight about your audience and what they're interested in we've got some questions here that's really good amy and we've got some questions here one's off dylan and he's basically asking how does he get transition from getting to be paid for posts that he's doing um, he spends a lot of time creating content, but he doesn't see a lot of return from it. Any tips, guys, on how we can transition to just conflicting two paid posts? Um, I would say um, look at the key brands that perform really well for you. So um, which ones are your audience really interested in? Try and build a relationship with those brands. So contacting them directly, just really politely and saying, hi, really lucky brand. Um, We'd love to um, have a conversation about working with you. Is that something that you would be open to? And we do that for the talent on our roster as well. So it's a bit easier for us because most of the time we have those existing relationships. But Instagram DM them in whatever way that you feel is appropriate. Because actually, a lot of those brands are always on the hunt for someone new to work with. And it just might be that they haven't come across you before. So um, feel confident that you are able to do that and it's just a polite question it doesn't have to be anything in detail they can go and check out what you do and your content and the sort of um, the way that you integrate their brand and their products and if they feel it will work for them then they'll kind of um, they'll kind of go for it so yeah don't be afraid to do that that's a really good answer I think yeah just use your initiative and and trying to like in, introduce yourself to brands more so because like from a brand perspective we're always looking for new people to work with new influencers to work with of all levels um I'm always keen to kind of make sure that we've like got a breadth of, of um, different types of influencers that we're working with and supporting on and regramming and, and collaborating with I think that's something that a lot of brands are now doing and having to do because I think if you're looking at the, the big players too much, a lot of the really great content from like the smaller macro influencers. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's just really working with the brands that are best suited to your niche, like we said before earlier on, Amy. 
I'm yeah. just going to try and get through some other questions here. One more. Um, I think we've answered quite a few. I'm going to go on to the next um, section. So becoming a retailer and reseller. So like a lot of that now, be, being your own brand as an influencer has become like the pinnacle of influencers in the influence industry now. And we've seen a lot, of, especially over the last year, um, with COVID, I think a lot of um, influencers kind of had a rejig and then look around what they're doing. Influences have kind of reached their own brand successfully and done really well. Um, do you think that is like it'd be an end all for influencers, or do you think it's only for some? Amy, do you want to go first? Yeah, from my perspective, I think it's only relevant for some. Um, and I think the best way to work out if that's something that you um, would potentially like to do is firstly work out how well you can sell and how well um how much your audience are invested in you as a talent using your affiliate links mm -hmm. the next step on from that is um, once you start doing some brand partnerships and um have more meaningful relationships with those brands and um, partner with a brand on a collection or an edit and see how well that works and see what your audience are interested in if that works really well then the next step is okay how can I create my own brand um but making sure that if that is your long-term goal have something that's unique about it where's the gap in the market what can you provide that isn't out there already um so as an example we work with Grace Beverly and a couple of years ago um we helped conceptualize Tala which is her sustainable um clothing brand um started in activewear has gone into loungewear is going to go into other areas as well but we we really identified that as a gap in the market um back then and it's worked really really well um and uh, I think one of the other reasons that's worked really well is, of course, it's got her kind of spearheading it as the talent um, and people love her and want to um, kind of um, invest in her and they trust her and her recommendations. Um, but also that brand is built on values. It's built on um, diversity and body image um, and uh, it being a, um, something that's relevant to everybody. And I think if you're going to create a brand, think about what all those things are. What are your values? What do you want this brand to show? What do you want it to do? What's the story? So it's not just, oh, I can sell jackets. I'm going to create a brand that yeah. um, sells jackets. What else do you have to it? And I think that's where the value of talent and influences really um, is unique to building brands, that there is so much more to it than just selling, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, Francesca, there's like Amy touched on there, using the affiliate model and using brands like Awin to kind of really see where their val like influencers' values are, um, and to kind of like test the water as it was with campaigns that they want they've done with um, big brands. It's, it, do you think that's? It, I, 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 from a, a brand perspective, I think it's great for us to kind of see um, influencers doing that. But how helpful do you, is is Awin to those situations? So it's really helpful just because you, I mean, um, depending on whether you guys have used AWIN, actually I know a pretty little thing you say AWIN, but you can track um, exactly what you're selling. There's product level tracking, category tracking. So you can see, right, okay, um, 
from Awin, what is actually, what are my followers buying into? What are they enjoying? Um, and you can really just kind of delve deep into that. It just depends if they want to put their Excel hat on. It's quite easy to access that information. And anyone who signed up to Awin, you can see what you're doing for each of your advertisers. Um, but yeah, I just really agree with Amy as well, kind of seeing, engaging with your followers and seeing what they want to see more from you. Um, I think a lot of the time, you know, if there's something that they're creating, like say there's a product, for example, um, your followers will literally tell you, oh, right, I want one. Where did you get that? And if it's something that you've done yourself, then great. You can kind of branch out from there. But I think, yeah, I think I think, yeah, that's basically it, really. I think like, like everyone's touched on there that you definitely need to use the data to your advantage and really look at where what's being driven numbers-wise before you make any, obviously, setting up a new brand, whether you've got investors or you're doing it on your own, is really, it's, it's, it's a massive investment financially, so you've got to be doing the right thing for you. I think someone that comes to mind, I think it's quite obvious one from, from PLT, is Jess Hunt. Her, we did a, a really good collection early in this, this summer with her, and she did really well. She Obviously, she saw the kind of success of that campaign and the engagement that it got from it, and then she's now launched Fire Beauty, which has been absolutely gone off the off the shelves obviously it's sold out quite quite quickly i'm not, I'm not um, on commission for her guys but i think that's just a really good example of like jess really seeing her eyebrows were a, a, a main many talked about things and it still are um but she's seen where her niche is and why her followers are constantly asking what's your eyebrow routine what products are you using on your face and, and because she's a model and works on e-commerce as well she gets loads of questions from that perspective as well um and i think she's really able to see where her niche is and then also like build on that so i think jess is a really good example for anyone looking to create their own brand and see how her journey's kind of gone gone from being a model influencer ecom um working on ecom for brands like plt and doing collections and then going to do her own thing it's all been really well thought after and she's done really well because of it but i think uh, she's kind of obviously used all those kind of methods that you've all said there and gone into it and that's what she's really it's, it's been successful for her I guess so I think a lot of influencers if you're looking to do something like that Jess is definitely one to kind of look at um off the top of my head um Bianca how can influencers you like better um, have this as a beneficial opportunity for them like in terms of using the getting becoming a retailer you just gave um an amazing example, Becky, with uh, uh, with uh, what you just explained, because an influencer, of course, can make a lot of money if they own their own brand of, or if they develop the collection with the brand and resell it, especially if they resell it on their own shop, because in the main, in the meantime, they develop a business that gets value and grow grow over the time. Of course, it's not easy to do. So um, a lot of influencers always say, yes, let's uh, have my home brand and I'm going to sell it online. And day one, I'm going to make a lot of money. But then they realize very quickly that it's not that easy. You need to be a little bit tech savvy and you need to update your site, promote it. So there's um, technology that exists. There are partnerships that exist where influencer can develop their brand or resell the brand the existing products on shopify or other platform and technology technology like us or the partnership that we have with the fashion network we can um, help them where the influencer has nothing to do than just promote their website so of course it's very profitable because if you own your brand or if you resell 
existing product, you become a retailer. So you make the retailer commission. So the markup can be up to 50, 60%. So it's quite high. Um, however, it's very important. And I repeat that, that there is a process to follow to make your brand profitable. So it's not just like um, affiliate marketing when you post link and you, you simply have to post online. You have to promote your shop. You have to be out there all the time. You have to talk about your shop to make money and you have to sell the right product. Like Amy was saying, you, you, you just don't sell anything. You sell something that fits with your personality and with what, what represents you. So if, if your followers follow you because they like your hairstyle, then it's a good idea that you sell product related to your hair, not just accessories or something else. So there's company and marketing company that can help influencers to go go through it and find the right partnership, the right brand to promote. And after that, having your shop and resell online, yes, is very profitable. So your software that you work with, Bianca, how does that really elevate that resell and retailing experience for the influencer? Yeah, of course. So ETA21 is a technology that connects the brand product on a platform in real time. So and, and, and an influencer can update their existing website. Let's say they have a Shopify website. They come to our platform, they shop on our platform, they click on the product and upload the product directly to their Shopify website in one click. So they don't have to call the brand, ask for inventories, update their, their website. We also manage all the other flow. So the only thing that the influencer has to do, it's really promote their shop, which is what they do the best, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if an influencer doesn't have a shop, because it's not always easy as well to create a shop, then they can come uh, with us for a solution like the one we developed in partnership with the Fashion Network. Um, so we created a marketplace called Fashion Match, where an influencer will have a sub shop that we create for them. And then the Fashion Network will also work for the marketing. They will approach, the, they will talk to the, to the influencer, they will approach the right brand, put them in contact, uh, our technology will onboard the product and then the influencer will be able to select the product and resell the one uh, they really like and the one that resonates with their style. And their job would, will only be to promote the, um, the product. We've done that because we've seen recently that companies, the brands and the influencer, they wanna work together, but it's not easy. And what's the new path? What's what's going on right now, right? It's all It's all, the question is related to it. So we try to make the connection easy where people has nothing to do than their own job. If it's marketing, it's marketing. If it's technology, it's one thing. And influencer can concentrate on promoting and selling the products. Yeah. I suppose that's really good because Etel21 is, is, is really good for kind of merging the, the brand and influencer together in when in situations where they probably wouldn't have that opportunity to do so similar to what Awin and Gleam are doing as well I think it's it's all different kind of like views on it I guess but um it's it's all great I think we need to there's it's such a crowded space don't you all think like right now everybody wants to be an influencer um I, I mean I heard something on the news recently that people are being sent to influence the school these days so I, I it's becoming it's a massive phenomenon and there is a lot of success for that and there's obviously a lot of revenue being driven 
brands wise mm -hmm. and influencer wise um through the industry so it is very sought after but it's very crowded so i think using brands like you guys and, and companies like you guys it's definitely a way for influencers to kind of break break the mold out and really get into the industry and use their niche to their own advantage as we said it earlier on as well i'm mm -hmm. trying to get some uh, questions answered here um What's your advice on setting setting rates for collaborations? How do you how do you decide on how much you pay each influencer? Um, Francesca, do you want to do you want to go with that one? I think it's quite a hard question. Really hard. No, it's really hard. So, okay. So first of all, I will have a budget. So, um, when I first get that budget from a client, I will look at the influencers that I want to recruit for the campaign. And then I'll divide it up in my head of how much each influencer should get paid. Um, it just varies massively. I think, I mean, obviously you're not going to get the likes of, I don't know, I can't think, my mind's just gone blank. Um, you're not going to get Jess Hunt for if you've got like a tiny little um, budget, but it's just kind of good to go with, an uh, as a brand, I'd go with an idea of what I can pay. And then I would always ask an influencer first, what what do you charge for this deliverable so for example i mean just your basic deliverable one instagram post and three stories um i'd say hey we'd love you to work on this campaign what this is what we're doing what do you charge for this and then it's kind of open to negotiation um i will always have a figure in my head but i always like to ask influencers first um just to kind of see what they're expecting and then it really comes down to i mean it, how much I negotiate depends on how much I think, well, how well I think they fit with the brand and the campaign, because there are influencers who don't necessarily have the hugest following, but they are just really great. They've got something to say and they're really unique. And we just think that they'd be a great asset to the campaign. So for those influencers, if they if they want to charge more, we can, I like, I'm very accommodating to that. Um, it just depends, yeah, really who who you're asking and what, yeah, what they kind of... It's a very they... one because it's that, it's that balance of, there's that that almost not that conversation at the start, it's like, what's your budget? What, you, what do you want to get paid? Yeah. Of? It's always a tricky one, I'm sure. We're all, uh, uh, everyone on, on the panel is definitely adverse to using, uh, being in that situation. Amy, how do you go about that situation? Yeah, so from the other side, we're, um, if we're talking from the managed roster perspective, um, we have an idea of um, what each talent charges for each sort of partnership, each sort of deliverable. Um, but how we calculate that for each talent is looking at a variety of different factors. And this is why it's not easy, is because we look at engagement um, online we look at the profile of that talent so if you're a Mrs Hinch versus a um, I don't know Dr Julie both on our roster but one has a bigger profile than the other then one is going to charge more because actually the value of her name against a cleaning product is so high that uh, that endorsement requires a higher fee. Um, also look at potency. So how good at selling are they or how well do they convert for a brand? Um, we look at the quality of their content. So is it has it got really high production value? If so, then actually, if you're paying a production team to create that, it's just like doing the same thing with that type of talent because their production is so high. Um, and then we also look at demand. So 
um, in November, December, where you've got um, Cyber Weekend and you've got Christmas, the demand of certain talent is through the roof. So they have very limited time. So actually, fees go up sometimes then because um, they are just back to back, back to back, back to back. So it has to be worth their time in order to create that content for that brand. Um, so it's really, really difficult. I would say as an influencer, if you're setting your fees, a few things to look at is, is it easy for you to create your content? If it is, worry less about production value. Um, if you are a really good seller and you get really good engagement rates, so engagement rate average is about three to five percent, but we've got some talent on the roster that have got an engagement rate of 40 percent, which is absolutely ludicrous. So then it's crazy, their conversion is going to be really high. So then you can think about charging a bit more, um, but you can also just test and learn. So charge like I don't know, 500, 1,000 pounds for a post. If you're just starting out, I don't know how many followers you might have, don't know what your engagement rate is, but just start small. And if you find it's really easy to get that, you can up it a bit more each time. Um, but just think about your value. Like how much is it really costing you to create that content? And how much are you delivering that brand in terms of sales and conversion? And what value are you giving them? And try and allocate that to a fee very difficult but if you're an individual doing it it's just test and learn yeah I suppose it's really good when you have got management to look after you and, and have those com difficult conversations for you and plus like this like with Glee you've got so many relationships with the brands they know how hard to push and you vice versa so I suppose it's having that balance and it all comes with practice I guess with confidence in yourself and knowing your own value and when you're in, in these conversations, albeit it's, it's sometimes tricky, but it will give you, it will give a, a better relationship at the, the end with the brand for them to understand their value, uh, yeah. your value in them. So that's that's really really good. And it, I feel like we're coming to the end of it now, guys. We're like five minutes away. Um, let's see if there's any more questions. Has anyone else could can anyone see questions on the side if you want to pick up and see if there's any ones that are relevant to you. Um, Actually, there's one that's asked us, like, um, how do we get into our careers? I know it's quite different, but um, Bianca, how did you get into your career and working with you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I started many years ago in affiliate marketing, so uh, like 15 years ago. And um, over the time, we, we met some, some influencer who wanted to create their own shop. So that's why we moved to retail industry, so... It's really related, you know, affiliates and uh, online shopping. Amy, how did you get into working at Glean? A uh, bit of a long story. <laughs> um, so I started at Glean about five years ago, um, five and a half years ago. Um, before that, I was working in a PR agency um, doing reputation management campaigns for um, big brand names like McDonald's. Um, but we were working with um, YouTubers back then to essentially try and change perceptions of the brand. Um, and I really loved that side of it. I loved this idea that there was so many young, really talented people out there who needed um, advice and guidance on developing their careers, worked with Gleam a lot, um, and just found myself in that space and uh, networking with those people that worked there at the time. Um, and became a talent manager five years ago at Gleam, working with some really great talent. Um, but because of my background in PR and marketing for really great brands, um, found myself now on more of the partnership side, still work with talent a lot 
and actually like the two go really hand in hand Um, but there's a lot of crossover with PR and marketing and managing talent because it's all about reputation management essentially Um, so yeah that's how I got into it. Francesca how did you get to work at AWIN? Um, It's kind of a long story so it's a weird one it's weird when I was at uni I did like I dabbled in a bit of blogging so and then I worked in I worked at ASOS um, in merchandising there and I've just always been like interested in like fashion blogging and all that kind of stuff not no way nobody google it anymore (laughs) Um, but um, then got into affiliates just because I knew how affiliates worked from having a blog um, and doing that um, and then actually as an account manager working with lots of brands, a lot of them were like, there was so many of them who were looking to work with influencers and just kind of, I gained a bit of experience managing kind of small bits of influencer activity through that. And then I've just recently kind of in the last, oh, actually, no, it's been like over a year now, um, just come into this partnerships role. And it's just so interesting just to kind of manage that relationship between influencers and brands whereas before it was kind of like scrambling to find some influences can we gift them now it's like right I'm creating campaigns I'm really loving it um worked with some amazing brands so yeah that's how I got into it bit of a convoluted story no 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 I think it's great that you've had that experience from kind of like both sides and and be able to everyone I think everyone's had that kind of experience which is really great to know thanks for answering that question guys um and just see one more before we finish this is a, a very a very broad question from Maya. And apologise if I'm, I'm pronouncing your name wrong. However, she said, "How can I know my influence and my own worth?" Um, <laughs> in ter- yeah, do you know what? In terms of influence, use affiliates because you'll see like how good your conversion is. So um, have a look at those backend stats look at um how many sales and um clicks you're driving off the back of your posts and um working with the likes of awin they'll give you a good indication of um how strong that is presumably speaking for you francesca sorry (laughs) but um you should be able to get a good idea of if that's really good or not um but using that to kind of um work out what you need to do to kind of drive more sales and more clicks and just making that data work for your content um that should give you a good indication bianca how do you think etel 21 can um, and your and your platform can really kind of like show influences their worth Exactly like Amy said, it's based on data, right? So as soon as you have a shop, you sell product, it's easy to see, to see which product you sell the most and maximize, um, maximize your, your front, the front end of your, of your shop, make a better selection of product. And then it's also important to take your own pictures with the product because the brand will send you samples so you can have your own photo shoot. And then you will see the conversion will be better because you are uh, the face of the home product. And what you say to your followers is, hey, you see, this is what I really like. I'm not just like... Um, trying to sell you something I really love it and I want I want to show you that so if it's based on honesty and on data I think influence will work really well great answer great great answer so thanks very much everybody I think that comes down with two minutes away I'm going to pass it on to Dale um, now to, to finish everything off but thank you all so much. I hope everyone found that really useful um, and if you have any questions I'll
Facebook is going to be a slide at the end of this, which has everyone contact details, so you'll be able to see um, how you can reach out and work to work with the um, reach out, reach out to the guys on the panel here, and any questions that you have that we've missed off on the, the talk. But thanks everyone for their time. Thank, thank you, you uh, Becky. Thank uh, you. Huge thank you for that. Thank you, Amy, Francesca, and Bianca. And if anybody in the audience wants to get in touch with us at the Fashion Network uh, or any of our uh, speakers today here in the details, um, and just in normal circumstances, we'd have a round of applause and we'd probably all nip to the bar for a glass of vino. Unfortunately, guys, we're going to have to wait maybe for another six months before we can do that. So <laughs> huge thank you again, anyway. So have a good day all. Thank Catch you for now. Much, guys. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.